I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and now it's time for the Jack Riccardi Show. Yeah, another blustery December day. <laughs> right, <Ooh>. yeah. It's <laughs> beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you doing all right? You having a good day? Yeah. Yeah, I having a great day because I like to wake up because I'm going through my first winter I like in to Texas. Wake up too. Yeah, I don't like waking up, but once I'm there, it's like okay, I guess yeah. it's a good thing. Uh, but I like to look at because I'm going through my first winter in Texas right. in right. 27 years or so, mm. and the first one this far south. So I like to kind of take a look back at Mid Missouri where I was about five months ago, Des Moines mm. where I was mm. a couple years ago. Oh, you like you check the weather. They're in the places you used to live. Yeah, isn't that weird? Just to, it, oh, no, 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 it's not. I used to do that when I first came okay. here. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, oh, look how miserable they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's a self-esteem type of deal, but, uh, yeah, I'm loving it. <laughs> if it's, really loving if it. it's petty and small, it's petty and small for both of us. So, <laughs> right. yeah, no, I have, I have definitely done. I would find, when I first moved down here and I would talk to friends, I would find a way to, how's your weather? You know, you just, mm-hmm. just randomly working into the conversation. Oh, is it really? Sleet? Yeah. It's about 78 here. Yeah, it's not too bad. We have self-esteem issues. I guess. Something like that. <laughs> right. Hey, they're, they're free to come here. You know, That's true. Anytime they want. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome to the Friday edition of our dreadful little show, uh, which is uh, uh, which includes, uh, at no charge, The Dish coming up after 6. We'll talk about restaurants and get your calls to praise or zing uh, restaurants. Uh, last night was another uh, reveal uh, of the Twitter files. I'm not one of those people that stayed up all night. I, I saw people today on the internet. I'm a little, I'm a little tired. I was up all night. You don't have to, you don't have to stay up and get them live. But anyway, it was another, you know, document dump or what have you, um, from Elon Musk's takeover of, uh, Twitter. And basically this is, uh, these two journalists that he's working with, um, getting employee level access to the back end of Twitter. And uh, this was about things like shadow banning and what they call visibility filters. So for years, conservatives would say, you know, it seems like there is a slowing down of results, uh, a, a limiting of access, an inability to retweet uh, on conservative accounts, some I had some weird things happen to me in the past on Twitter, and I'm not saying I know this is what it is. But whenever any conservative would say, hey, this doesn't seem right, the answer was always, oh, you're crazy. I mean, that's a conspiracy theory. Put on your tinfoil hat there, uh, buddy, you know. Um, So people insisted it could not be true. And it turns out it was true. They were, they were, they were doing it like crazy. And they had no rules other than if they didn't like your politics, they had these tools. They had these ways of making sure, for example, uh, Dan Bongino, uh, you couldn't, uh, retweet him. Other people were shadow banned. And I'm, I'm not completely sure how it works, but I know one thing that happens because it happened to me was, you would see, you would post something and you would see it and, and think, okay, that went through. It's, it's up. But then I would ask people and they'd be like, I didn't see that. So it was not blocked to where you would say, well, let me try again or let me change it so I can get it through the, their, their filters. It was basically letting you believe you had posted and then nobody saw it but you. Journalists 
were completely incurious about this when it was being alleged, and now that it's being proven, the new spin, if you watch the news today, is, oh, we already knew this was going on. This is no big deal. Big deal. You know, oh, this is a nothing burger. So there's two reactions to what we're learning. One is, we already knew it, but yeah, you guys said it wasn't happening. And the other thing is the continued attempt to destroy Twitter, because if, if Elon Musk is going to reveal then Twitter has to be redefined not as the public square and important uh, venue. It, it's a it's a font it's a font of hate speech. You know, oh, it's nothing but hate speech now. Now that he's taken it over, it's just a bunch of anti-Semitism and racism and misogyny and basically, you wonder, or maybe you more or less assume. Uh, that if they were doing this on Twitter, if there was backdoor access, if if people in the Biden administration had a direct pipeline to the content moderators, if the CDC was picking and choosing who could be who could be heard about COVID, then I'm I'm assuming that's going on on other social media. I'm assuming that, that same incestuous relationship exists in other media. Um, but here we have the you know we have the receipts. Um. It was something that they, Twitter itself, even denied. Uh, I'm looking here at a tweet. Mark Hemingway posted this uh, last night, late last night. Um, and it was a question that was asked of Twitter in October of 2020. So it was sent to the Twitter account, which is Twitter. Uh, um, and the answer was, uh, people are asking, if we shadow ban, we don't. They did. Now, one thing you have to wonder about, think about what's happened in this country the last several years, okay? So you have the 2015 emergence of Trump's candidacy, the upset victory over Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, You have three years of a very strong economy in which um, every free market economic principle that is supposedly bunkum and 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 fraudulent uh, works the economy is booming then along comes this virus from china that is very suspect uh and for which no one seems prepared and then we have to have all of these draconian reactions to it that are unprecedented in our history in world history we have the election of 2020 we have the events of 2021 and, and now 2022. What kind of a country would this be if over that period of time the marketplace of ideas had been equally open to everyone? What kind of a country would we be if the shadow banning and the downthrottling and everything else just was not happening? If the public square was really a place where you could put your idea up and people could like it or not or listen to it or not. We're not even talking now about election interference. So I hear a lot of people saying today that's kind of a buzzword today. You know, how many elections were affected by this? Well, I guess, you know, at least a few. But this is really like societal interference. This is this is remaking or distorting just the normal discourse of American life. 
And there's never been anybody in the media, I don't care if you talk about William Randolph Hearst or the glory days of CBS News or the New York Times or when USA Today emerged as the first national newspaper or any of this, I don't think there's ever been any any entity that could mold and distort the national discourse quite like this. And of course, we grew up thinking that, you know, if you're, if you're a baby of the Cold War like I am, you grew up thinking, well, this is why we have to resist the Soviets and they're the evil empire and communism because you, you wouldn't be able to say what you thought. You wouldn't have freedom of speech. And we still have it. But we have learned some hard things about it. We have been disillusioned about it in the last several weeks. And again, it may be just one company, but I don't know anybody who thinks it only happened at Twitter. So tell me what you think about that. 210-599-5555. Kristen Cinema, the senator from Arizona, is in the news today. You probably have heard this by now. She's uh, announced that she is uh, re-registering in Arizona as an independent, and therefore she will identify as an independent in the Senate. She was one of the two Democratic senators, along with uh, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who frequently... Uh, broke with the Democratic bloc on some issues uh, of the last two years. It's not a shocker because she's already very independent, lowercase i. Now she's just independent, uppercase i. Um, but what's interesting is the hysteria over her announcement. Now, some of the same people in the political commentariat who have been praising Liz Cheney for being such a maverick, for being such a hero, for being so courageous to defy the Republican regime, are calling Kristen Cinema some pretty ugly names. Why isn't it brave when somebody leaves the Democratic Party? Why is it only brave when they leave the Republican Party? You know, it's it's probably pretty unpleasant when you're a politician and you're in office it's probably pretty unpleasant to do this. That's probably why very seldom do they. And I don't really think it changes anything, but boy, they sure get their nose out of joint for her just taking that D away from the, uh, you know, after her name. The other thing that's interesting about it uh, is there were a lot of people I noticed uh, saying, oh, well, she just did this because she's going to sell her vote to the highest bidder. She's just... She's letting it be known that she's on the market now. In other words, being an independent means that uh, you'll you'll vote however the corporate uh, dollars tell you. So am I to understand that if you're a member of the Democratic Party, you don't do that? That that would never happen? Is the Democratic Party or the Republican Party somehow like like an immunization against graft or grift or you know being corrupted? I'm pretty sure people with D's and R's after their name have been caught taking bribes, right? Literally, caught. I don't think this changes anything. She is whoever she was before she made this announcement. And a lot of talk today about um, Paul Whelan still being in Russia. He and his family, uh, they were very classy when the announcement came yesterday about Brittany Griner. They they said the right things, that they were happy for her and happy for her family while whilst being disappointed uh, that he was still there. Uh, today they've changed the tune a little bit, uh, and they're saying, you know, we really, we really thought we were going to be, uh, part of this deal. Uh, Whalen says he was led to believe that he would be part of this deal. I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release, especially as the four year anniversary of my arrest is coming up. He said in a phone interview, 
I was arrested for a crime that didn't occur. I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. Well, I think we do understand. Maybe he doesn't, but I think we do. And I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. Um, if they, if they, they claim they could only get Brittany Griner in return for the Merchant of Death, that that was the Russians' idea. That was the Russians' last, best, only offer. But I don't know if I believe that because Brittany Griner is way more politically valuable to Joe Biden and the Democrats than Paul Whelan. I mean, Joe Biden and the Democrats aren't getting the Marine vote. They're not getting the white male vote. But they are getting the African-American vote. They are getting the LGBTQ vote. And this is a clear, to me, this is a clear example of identity politics. I don't doubt for a minute that the Russians drove a hard bargain. I don't doubt for a minute that they knew they were dealing with some very shaky uh, people on this end of the pond. But um, I also don't truly don't believe that, that, oh, well, we really wanted them both, but they, they told us we could only have her. What if they had said you can only have him? Would it have been no deal? You have to wonder, right? And, and, and I say that not because I have any proof of it, but because the, of the power of identity politics. And it rules all. And you will notice that even some of the Democrats, like Randy Weingarten, who were celebrating the release of Brittany Griner, and we should all be happy that she's out of there and back with her family, don't get me wrong, but they made the point of saying it's so great that a black lesbian woman was was freed. That just seems like a very odd way to react unless that is foremost in your mind, which I think for the Democrats it is. So let's talk about that. We've got a new JR poll for you to vote in and many other things before we get to the dish. The holly green, the ivy green, the prettiest picture you've ever seen is Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. It's nice to know to kiss your bow while cuddling under the mistletoe. And Santa Claus, you know, of course, is one of the boys from home. The door is always open, the neighbors pay a call. And Father John, before he's gone, will bless the house and all. How grand it feels to click your heels and join in the fun of the jigs and reels. I'm handing you no blarney, the likes you've never known. It's Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks There you go. Home. There you go. You don't hear that one too often. Friday afternoon, Jack Riccardi, 210-599-5555. You know who was talking about this, and he was really being very open about it was van jones uh who's a cnn uh, commentator and he he more or less said i don't remember his exact words but he was explaining that and, and not everybody would know this but to, but to certain to a certain segment of the population Brittany griner is a big time name i mean you may not follow the wnba but you know for certain younger people certain demographics she is an iconic name so uh, this was something that the Biden administration knew would have an impact on a particular brand of voter and um, make for one of those. He was saying, you know, this is for them, it's like one of those I'll always remember where I was when I heard it kind of moments. You and I are sitting here going, well, there were two people that needed to be freed. But he's making the point that in a political calculation, and this is a guy that supports Biden, he's a Democrat, but he's saying in a political calculation, uh, they knew what they were doing. 
So my question to you is, do, do you believe them when they say, oh, we really wanted them both, but they would only give us her? Because it just doesn't really logically follow. And um, I, I, I don't make a distinction, and I don't have, you know, people are always bringing it up to me, well, she, she wouldn't stand for the anthem and all that. I, I, if you're an American and you are abroad and you are imprisoned under hinky or false circumstances, and hers were not false, but certainly very, you know, iffy, it's, it's of course the role of the government to try to obtain your freedom. And it's important to get people out of places like the Russian penal system. It's very important. I don't care who they are. I don't care how they voted. I don't care what their politics are. I'm, I'm unequivocally for that. I'm not wanting her to go back. But it's time to call out the lie that I think they're telling and blaming the Russians for. Because I don't think they, I don't think they were, oh, this was all they would give us. I'm really not buying that. 210, 599, 5555. There is a, um, another arrest warrant for Sam Brinton who works for the Department of Energy. Remember, Sam Brinton uh, was placed on leave after, uh, I guess the correct pronoun is they, stole a woman's luggage at the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport uh, like a month, month and a half ago. Didn't have any checked luggage, went to the luggage carousel, took a very expensive suitcase worth over two grand, just the suitcase, and made off with it. And when was confronted said, no, I didn't. And then they said, well, yeah, we have you on video. Uh, and then he was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I did. But when I opened it, they were my clothes inside. So this this dude is claiming that he took somebody else's suitcase but then found his clothes inside of it, which is, that's Doug Henning-level magic right there. Okay, I, I don't know how you would do that. Now, there's a report that came out last night that is a felony arrest warrant for him uh, for larceny with a value between $1,200 and $5,000 for stealing luggage at the airport in Las Vegas. That he um, did the same thing. Went into the, you know, there's cameras everywhere in an airport. It's not going to be disputable. Went into the baggage area and uh, took this luggage. People make a big deal out of the fact that Sam Brinton is transgender. That's not my deal. My deal is this is somebody who's seriously disturbed. Okay? You don't get to hide behind. It's not a defense. I'm not going to temper my my reaction because he's transgender. Straight or not, this person is disturbed. Not only should they not be in the employ of the Biden administration, but they should not be in a sensitive security clearance job at the Department of Energy. And this, again, is the scourge of identity politics because if it isn't for the identity group to which sam brinton proudly proclaims membership i think he'd already be gone or they or however you want to say it they'd already be gone it would just be seen as an embarrassment oh we don't need that headache but because of who sam brinton is and and the fact that he was appointed to to you know, as a as a symbol and as a um, you know sort of a payback for support in the election, 
they're walking on eggshells. This, this is a person with a problem. This is not normal behavior. This isn't, I went and took the wrong suitcase, and when I got home, I was horrified, and I called the airline, and please come pick it up, and, you know, that, that would be very different. Somebody stealing the most expensive, nicest-looking suitcase he can find and then telling fables about it. But let's make sure he's in charge of our uh, spent nuclear fuel. That seems perfectly reasonable. Frosted window panes, candles gleaming inside, painted candy canes on the trees. All right, KTSA, Jack Riccardi with a holiday travel tip. If you're flying this uh, holiday season, going home to see family, taking a a nice uh, resort vacation somewhere, watch your luggage very carefully. The old question used to be, has someone given you uh, something to carry in your suitcase? The new question, have you seen a member of the Biden administration near your suitcase? It's just a security question you should be prepared for. Um, talking about the prisoner swap, the big story of the week, obviously. And when even Democrats are saying, this kind of looks like identity politics, it Kind of looks like identity politics. Todd is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Todd, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Uh, we need to get you syndicated up here in the uh, central Missouri area. You're far, far, far and above the quality of content than anyone in this area. Oh, well, I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Brittany, um, like you said before, your empathy for her or whatever for that person is is extraordinary and i you know when you said it my my temper changed yes we're, we're glad you know that that she's back or and 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 you know not cap captive not a prisoner and back with her family and everything like that and and that's important i really do i think that's a very human important empathetic way to view things and uh so so i was going to go on this rant about how embarrassing it was to uh to, to leave a, a soldier, a Marine back for a pot-smoking, you know, lesbian. Well, you know, whose life is more important? We don't know. Who are we to judge? So uh, I just want yeah, to Yeah, that's not I how I'm coming at it. I'm not looking at it as one of them is better than the other. I'm not looking at it as I, I would have ranked them differently. I'm just saying I think I know how they ranked them, and I think I know why they ranked them that way, because it's how they do everything. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that a shame? And isn't that the biggest problem that we've got going on with uh with with radio and news and media right now is that the story is always shaped in a certain way always espn had it all over the place the prisoner swap what do they care about a prisoner swap what does espn care about that well because she's a professional because she's a professional athlete whose sport they they cover on espn i mean that's why it's an espn story right it was the i mean it was the biggest story on espn uh the day it happened because it involves an athlete i don't I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't have a problem with any of that. I don't have a problem with the joy, the exultation, the coverage. But but let's be clear, Paul Whelan represented no political payoff or value to this administration, and that's how they weigh, as you said, that's how they weigh 
everything that they do. And uh, Todd, thank you for the call. Thank you for the kind words. I don't want to be syndicated. I'm I'm happy right where I am. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I am not going to join in in the in the bash Brittany Griner thing. I, I I'm not saying I'm not I'm a WNBA fan. I don't know if I ever saw her even play. I probably did, but I don't know. That isn't the point. I I from the moment I heard that they were making it a, a swap, my my thought process went like this: What would Ronald Reagan have done when Ronald Reagan was president? The president who had the greatest clarity on. Uh, the threat of totalitarian governments in, in our in our lifetime, maybe in our history, the greatest clarity on this particular facet of foreign policy. How do you deal with totalitarians, communists, tyrants, dictators? What would he have done? My, my strong feeling is he would not have said, "We'll take one and leave the other." My strong feeling is he would not have given up Victor Bout, who is a very dangerous man. I read a headline that said there are concerns he may return to arms trafficking. May return to arms trafficking? What do you think he's going to do? Open a convenience store? Do an Etsy business? He's, he's an arms trafficker. Of course he'll return to it. And it isn't that Russia wanted him as much as they knew they had something they could deal. Okay. And the, the, the clear implication of this, not that, not that Biden cares, is that you've now shown exactly how to twist the arm of this administration. And the identity politics makes it even clearer, okay? If I'm Putin, I know exactly who my next kangaroo court prisoner is going to be from the United States of America. Okay, I know exactly what I'm looking for when I need to make a deal, when I need to twist the arm of the Biden administration. 210-599-5555. This was the exchange um, yesterday, Peter Ducey uh, covering the White House for Fox News with Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. And, and this is um, where he's kind of trying to get her uh, to answer this. Uh, take a listen, cut number two. In this prisoner swap, why did Russia get such a better deal? Look, you know, I've talked about this, uh, and I'll say this again. Here were our choices. Our choices was uh, Brittany or no one at all. Bring hold on, one. hold on, stop the tape. I don't know if I believe that. Like, that's going to be there. They're going to run with that. Yeah, we, we could only get her. He wasn't even, they never even, no way, no how. Well, really? Because that's awfully convenient that the thing Putin insisted on, the outcome Putin insisted on, also happens to be the outcome that is most politically advantageous to the identity politics of the Democrats. All right, continue. Bringing home one American or no American at all. And, and that's that. professional that's, athlete. We gave up a prolific arms dealer who was convicted of trying to kill Americans who was called the merchant of death. The professional athlete is also an American citizen. So let's not forget that. Who deserved and so and 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 I have explained how the Russians have illegally uh, treated, totally illegitimately uh, treated his situation. I've been very clear on that. Uh, we've laid that all. We've laid that out for you. Uh, and again, the president felt that this was an opportunity to bring Brittany home. He is going to continue to do everything he can 
to bring Paul Whelan home, just like he did with Trevor Reed, just like he was able to secure Trevor Reed's release. How can you say that he's going to do everything that he can if he said just a few days ago he's not going to call Vladimir Putin until further notice? We were able to do this uh, through um, through different channels, right? We were able to do this uh, through uh, a through different uh, avenues, uh, folks from the U.S. government uh, that were able to make that negotiation, have those conversations, and, and secure Britney's return. Uh, so we were, we have been able to do this, and the president has been committed mm. to getting this done. We are still working to secure Paul Whelan. Uh, at this time, we were not able to make that happen, but that does not stop us. That will not stop us in making sure uh, okay. that Paul... So you get the idea. Um, she had a, a, a she had kind of a bad moment. Uh, there was a reporter trying to ask her a question that uh, she just wasn't having. And I don't know if this is, I, I've personally not seen this kind of thing happen before, but she kind of had a hissy fit and just canceled the rest of the, the rest of the briefing. Take a listen to this, cut number three. Can you take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit? Can you take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit? Why is it so hard to take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit when the president is in 50 African leaders, the biggest garden of leaders of his administration? Why is it hard for you to give me a question? It is not hard. I've answered. I've. Would you let me answer the question, or are you get okay? Okay, I, I'm trying to answer your question. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I just tried, you wouldn't let me. Go ahead. I just tried, and you would not let me, sir. So your colleague is going to ask a question. Go ahead. No, I just, I literally just tried to answer your question. You shut me down. So now your colleague is going to. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. She's like, it's like a substitute teacher that lost control of the classroom. That's it. I'm out of here. Then she left. That was it. Walked out. Like it was, like I'll show you. <laughs> no information for you ill-tempered, ill-behaved uh, children. I mean, I'll admit the White House press corps, they're, they're ridiculous. I mean, they're, they, they've de- devolved into a yelling, screaming, snarling. It, it happened during Trump, too. But uh, she's not good enough at her job to be reprimanding the reporters. Like, I, no one should be more patient than Corinne Jean-Pierre because of the patience and the forbearance that's being shown her. I mean, she's not even good at reading out of the binder. You know, they've got this super binder. I was I was talking to Don Cooper about this earlier. I'm fascinated. This seems like a 26-volume encyclopedia in one binder. It's got everything. Have you ever seen her flipping? She's flipping. Her hands are a blur. She's flipping through. She's got all these tabs and sub-tabs and... Everything's in there. They need to give one of these to Biden, you know? But she's not good enough where you could say, well, she's up there and she's the master of the room and, you know, they're just being unruly. She should be so grateful that Team Biden is bearing with her as she struggles, as she is clearly one of the worst people to ever do this job. And remember that for many, many people around the world, Corinne Jean-Pierre is the face and voice of the United States government. Think about that. And I mean, I'm not, I don't hate her. I'm not picking on her. She's probably a lovely person. But when you're, when you're really, really struggling, you're really bad at what you do. 
usually that brings out a certain grace, a certain patience. You're like, you know, hang with me, bear with me. I'm trying. I'm learning. I'm. And again, I, I hate to say it, but it's hard not to see it. She seems like another example of symbol over substance. You can't tell me that of all the people in the comm shop for the Democratic Party, she was the best person, the most capable, the most quickest on her feet, the most um, able to shape the message and run the room and tame the, the wild beast that is Peter Ducey. She's clearly not. They just, they wanted the symbol. And it's, it's not a good look. I, I mean, I, I feel for her. I really do because I don't think, I don't think that's a happy person you're seeing on television every day. It's Friday. That means the dish coming up after six. And right here, we're having the Festivus airing of Grievances, also known as the Jack Riccardi Show, 210-599-5555. We got a lot of emails about the uh, women in lead movie roles for action-adventure movies. We got kind of got on this tangent yesterday because actress Jennifer Lawrence said she thought she was the first woman ever put in the lead of an action movie when she was cast in The Hunger Games and um, said this in a Variety interview. And, and of course, everybody, even the most casual movie goer or watcher, uh, knows that's clearly not true. Um, kind of mysterious as to how she could have thought that. And so we had all these people calling in, nominating movies and roles, and some of them were old movies and new movies and recent movies and way back, and somebody even made the case for The Wizard of Oz and Judy Garland. Uh, and a lot of people mentioned Sigourney Weaver, who was incredible in the Alien uh, movies. You know, what's interesting about Sigourney Weaver in that movie is that I don't remember where I read this, but Ridley Scott, who was the director of that movie, um, when, when, that, when that script was written, the, the character, Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver, the character was a guy. The character was male. And Ridley Scott um, wanted Sigourney Weaver in the movie because she was... Because of her attitude, he thought that she had the the kick-ass temperament, the take-no-prisoners, you know, temperament. And so, and, and I mean, when you think about Alien now, you can't think of anybody else playing that character. And that's what made it a great movie. And I wonder if we can ever get back to a time when we didn't notice that someone acting their fanny off was a woman or a man or this race or that ethnicity, but was just just killing it, just play, just crushing the role. I mean, that's kind of the joy of movie going, right? I mean, don't we all, at the end of the day, whatever kind of movies you like, you like good movies. <laughs> you like movies that, that you forget about your troubles for a couple of hours. You... You, you get lost in the story. You, you get caught up in it. You, you jump out of your seat when there's a fright. You're on the edge of your seat when somebody's hanging off a cliff. That's what movies do. They are not checklists 
well, we've got to get a woman, and we've got to get a gay person, and we've got to get a, this, and we've got to get that, and we've got to... No. We enjoyed Alien, and I don't remember... I, I remember going to see it. I don't remember anybody saying, how great is it that a woman is playing Ripley? No one. She wasn't a first or a statement or a symbol, but she was great in that role. And if you think about movies, women have always been in movies. From the earliest beginning of the motion picture, women have been on the big screen. Now, it's true that it took a long time for women to get into the positions of power like directing and writing and producing and executives in in, uh, the studios. I, I get that. I understand that was a struggle, and it still is a struggle. I understand that. But But my point is, there's never been a time in the history of movies that people haven't flocked to the cinemas, put down their money, and watched a great acting performance, whether that was a man or a woman. And now we're, I mean, the the question of this year, if you were going to, you know how they do end of the year person of the year, this of the year, that. The question of the year for 2022 is probably, what is a woman? Or can you define a woman? Imagine it's 2022. Imagine the advances, the technology. We're using technology in our homes that wouldn't have been dreamed of 10 or 20 years ago. And we're wrestling with what is a woman? <laughs> like, who saw that coming? Right? And I don't, I, I can't speak as a woman, but I don't know how this is progress. I really don't. I don't know how, I don't know how women have let this happen. I guess I'm, I guess I'm throwing down the challenge. How, women, how have you let this happen? All those decades, burning your bras, protesting suffragettes for the vote, uh, demanding a place at the table, whether it was in sports or in the military or in the corporate boardroom, the feminist movement. What the hell happened? You took a, you took a coffee break and you came back and people were like, we don't really know what a woman is. And then there are guys running around going, hey, I'm a woman, and they're taking everything away from you. And it's not only they're taking it away from you, they're mocking you. I mean, they're really, it, it, it's like, instead of blackface, it's like woman face. There are men painting themselves up as women, Sam Brinton, and taking your place. I'm not, you don't have to answer unless you have an answer. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I, I do seriously wonder about this. It's not the kind of thing you can just go up to a woman and ask her, but I do wonder how, how did you let this happen? How are you letting this happen? There's a lot of you. I think if you put your foot down, we'd know. So I'm kind of waiting for you to do that. So I was reading this uh, article last night, Christian, about something called gentle parenting. Are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. I mean, I think we would all think of ourselves as gentle parents, you know. Yeah. That's a quality we would want to claim. Yeah. You're gentle with your children. But gentle parenting is, a, is the new fad in parenting. And it presumes, now listen to this, that children are inherently good and that when they misbehave, 
it's because they have been emotionally dysregulated. Dysregulated? Mm. And see, I think it's the other way around. I think when children are good, you've raised them to be. I think children without any of our influence would be sociopaths. I mean, you know, I read just, the book. I read the book Lord of the Flies. Well, see. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. No, I'm with you. you. I'm with you. I you, think you make your kids. You make your kids what they are, mm-hmm. uh, for better or worse. They don't come out with like manners and etiquette and boundaries. And I know I shouldn't do that. What What are we thinking? They come out with certain biological traits, probably Urges. some character traits yeah. that you can't do yeah. anything about. Yeah. But how they learn to behave, that's not a guarantee. Again, Lord of the Flies. Look it up. There you go. There you go. All right. <laughs> yeah. I like the Lord of the Flies approach. So, so I'm reading this thing about gentle parenting, and it's, it's a cult. I mean, it's crazy. The people that believe in it are totally, they've totally given over to it. And it's not like, oh, this, here's some helpful tips. You have to buy into every tenet of it, or you can't, you know, you can't belong to the, the club. Um, but but children are yeah I mean children come out of the womb they're sociopaths um, all all they have are are urges and hungers and and I'm not a parenting expert but I mean I think we all know if you raise a kid you you have to impose on the child whatever curbs of conduct and and expectations you you have but this isn't even my point whenever I read stuff like this I always wonder why do we think that in the year 2022, we would have suddenly discovered something about parenting. Like, we've been literally, for thousands of years, breeding and raising little baby human beings. Okay? Wouldn't you think by now, if there was some light bulb moment, oh, this is what we should do, that would have already happened. It wouldn't be somebody in some half-baked magazine or little website somewhere. Oh, here's what you need to do. How do people get the idea that we have suddenly reinvented the wheel? And I will admit, no parents are perfect. And mine were not perfect. And I know I'm at the age of my life now. I'm in the age and stage of my life now where I have a tendency to look back at things through rose-colored glasses, so I don't want to overstate it. But the older I get, the more I realize that the way my parents raised us was not crazy and was actually quite um, shrewd. I mean, I didn't appreciate it at the time. I complained about it. I resisted it. I caterwauled, but... But, I mean, you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, I see what they were doing there. I know what that was about. And, and, and I mean, I just, again, I'm not suggesting you should be to your children exactly what your parents were. Maybe that wasn't a great thing. And even if it was a great thing, you probably still need to kind of find your own way. But, but what, what, what would give us the idea? Oh, 2022, we suddenly figured out parenting. That just doesn't, I mean, look around you. It just doesn't make sense. So that inspired a question I want to ask you. And this is, I I want to ask a question where you fill in the blank, okay? So here is the, here is the sentence. 
and you fill in the blank. The older I get, the more I realize blank wasn't that crazy. The older I get, the more I realize that blank wasn't that crazy. So the way I'm filling it in is the way my parents raised us. How would you fill that sentence in? The older I get, the more I realize that blank wasn't that crazy. 210-599-5555. Something that you have come to see the wisdom of as you get older. Maybe you didn't see it at the time, but now you do. You're like, okay. It's all coming together now. 210-599-5555 with your filling of the blank on that. We've got your JR poll votes coming in as well and the dish after 6 o'clock. Um, the Biden administration came into office opposing domestic oil and gas production. They've made good on that promise. But yesterday they had a virtual meeting with oil and gas executives to discuss how American oil producers can produce more Ukrainian energy. The meeting was to help Ukraine respond to the targeting of their energy industry by the Russians. So basically, the Biden team is asking the energy industry to do what we wish they would ask them or allow them, not even ask them, just allow them to do here. They are asking them to do for Ukraine. Please make sure Ukraine has a robust, affordable energy infrastructure. And, you know, what can you say? What can you say? It's that America last, blame America, Americans will have to wait mentality. I hate to put it on one party, but the Democrats seem to really default to it. Carter was like this. Clinton was like this. Barack Obama was very much like this. And here we go. There was a symposium that John Kerry was participating in with the Washington Post, one of those, you know, streaming uh, deals. And he was on a stage and he was taking questions from a Washington Post reporter. And they were talking about um, carbon reparations. You've heard of slavery reparations. Well, these are the same thing, only carbon reparations. And he said that if we're going to do carbon reparations, the whole world has to do it, but he would really like to see Americans step up and lead the way on carbon reparations. He even even made the point of saying, well, you know, Americans are the most generous people in the world. They're the largest humanitarian donors in the world. Thanks for noticing. But, of course, carbon reparations wouldn't be like a donation. There wouldn't be like Santa Claus on the street corner with a red kettle and you could drop your carbon reparations in. Carbon reparations will be taken from you. Carbon reparations will be levied on you. But imagine the gall of a guy that flies everywhere on a private jet spewing carbon, talking talking about how you and I, we need to step up we need to show how what what kinds of leaders we are as Americans on carbon reparation. 
And the, 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 the crazy thing is, if you don't know the concept, the concept of carbon reparation or climate reparation is that uh, countries like the United States and China would pay them, and then they would go to um, countries that have had weather events that they believe are climate-related, like if there was a flood or there was soil erosion or, or what have you. But, you know, the thing about these other countries is you can't reparation them out of their poverty. They need wealth production. They need to be able to thrive and produce. And if we want poor countries to be less poor or even to prosper, they need to generate whatever energy they can generate in whatever way their people can afford to generate it and have enough of it to live on and work on. And so the green revolution is a cruel trick that you play on these developing, poor, you know, up-and-coming, emerging countries. And climate debt donations from rich countries, which would be mostly from us, that's not going to do it. It's the teach a man to fish versus give a man a fish uh, situation. But yeah, I just I have to I have to laugh every time John Kerry talks to me about what I ought to do. Park your jet. <laughs> then we'll talk. Five fifty and one zero seven one KTSa. We're heading into the weekend here, and we'll talk restaurants on the dish coming up in our next hour. Uh, right now, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Is there is there something that has made more sense to you as you get older? Something that you have figured out makes sense that when you were young didn't. Like I, I, I use the example of the way my mother and father raised us, um, and I'm not I'm not looking at them through rose colored glasses. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm really trying to look at this in a straightforward way, but when I was young, when I was a teenager, even when I was in my 20s, I thought I was so sharp. I thought I was so more sophisticated than them. I can tell you there were countless times that I would say to myself, not out loud, not to them, but to myself I'd say, when I have kids, I'm never doing that, or I'll never talk to them that way, or I won't ever say no to that. I mean, I, I knew everything. I read the New York Times every day when I was a kid. I was, I knew everything. My parents, they hadn't been to college. So, for me, the thing that most obviously has become clear and made more sense to me is, yeah, the way I was raised. Is that yours? Or do you have a different one? 210-599-5555. We're talking about uh, parenting and parenting experts. I was reading about there's a new law in California that um, will allow doctors to lose their license, their state license, based on what they say to their patients about COVID-19. 
We've got to stop the disinformation pipeline, says California State Assembly. And so um, AB 2098, which was signed into law two months ago, says that starting next year, doctors who give advice that the state defines as misinformation or disinformation relating to the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus can face disciplinary action up to and including being stripped of their California Medical Board license. Now, I guess the way that we would know they were doing this would be if their patients turned them in. I mean, if I like my doctor, and I, and I do like my doctor, but I mean, if, if, if I like my doctor and my doctor says, you know what I think would help you with that COVID is this, this, and this, um, and I don't tell anyone, I guess he would probably never get in any trouble. I don't know. But if there's any documentation or he's reported, um, then the state is going to crack down. Now, you, you probably see a couple of problems with this right away, w- one of which is, what if this means that people who get COVID don't go to the doctor uh, and go somewhere, go to something on the internet, or go somewhere else? That seems like that seems like a step backwards. Like I, I don't know about you, but I think you should consult with your doctor. Also, since when is the government so trustworthy that they can play this? refereeing role when it comes to quote-unquote disinformation. I mean, if we've learned anything about the word disinformation in the last two years, it's that disinformation is just what other people don't want to hear. I mean, it used to mean an organized, orchestrated, usually by a government, attempt to spread false information, information that was known to be false. Okay, like you're the Soviet Union and you... You tell people in country X that American soldiers are all rapists. That was disinformation. Okay. And you could see where it would be, right? It was orchestrated. It had an intention. The people saying it knew it wasn't true. People hearing it had no way of knowing if it was true. But you're in your doctor's office. You're consulting with your doctor. I don't think that's the same thing. It's also interesting to note that a lot of the things that were considered misinformation in 2020 turned out to have some clinical value a year or two later, and we're still learning. Isn't that what even Fauci said, that when science changes, it just means that science is learning? So how do you make a law like this that presumes that knowledge is is frozen, that we now know absolutely everything, and we can say with certainty From now on, only these things are true about COVID and all of these other things are false. And isn't it interesting that the party of science, and California is all Democrats, I mean, everything that happens in California is authored by the Democrats. Isn't it interesting that the party of science, as they dub themselves, would would pass something so hostile to the profession of general practitioners. That's quite a thing. These are the kinds of laws that I I think if you live in a state that's governing itself like this, you just leave. 
You don't. I mean, if you don't like them, I mean, there are going to be people. There are going to be people that love this. I, I know. I have family in Massachusetts, and I, I can tell you, if you've never known anyone, there are people that absolutely love this idea. And my family in Massachusetts, they would love for the, the the legislature and the governor up there to do this very same thing. But if you live in a state like Massachusetts or California, nothing against them, just saying this, and you don't, you, you are troubled by this. Your choice increasingly is to is to leave, not to say, well, I'll get in, I'll get more involved politically, because there's no, the math works against you. I don't even think they see the irony in how much um, government interference and, pardon the pun, malpractice we are seeing. While on abortion, one of their slogans is, keep the government out of my health care. Right? That's that's on every third sign at a pro-abortion event. Keep the government out of my health care. But this is the group, this is the party that is putting the government in your health care in, in, in ways it's never been before. And I really do think we're going to eventually get to a point where there will be an entire population that just won't go to doctors. They will not want to have to answer questions that they think could be reported to the government. I don't want my doctor asking if I have a gun. I don't want my doctor asking about my religion. I don't want my doctor inquiring as to my politics. I don't want my doctor to be unable to recommend homeopathic or efficacious treatments for COVID or anything else. So you won't really regulate medicine. You'll just splinter it, I think. Take this to its logical conclusion. Christmas is children who just can't go to sleep Christmas is memories the kind you always keep Deck the halls and give a cheer For all the things that Christmas is each year Christmas is carols to warm you in the snow Christmas is bedtime when no one wants to go Mm. So glad to know that Christmas is tonight. Lou Rawls, 550-1071 KTSA, Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. It says here that um, the government of France has decided that condoms will be free for 18 to 25-year-olds. Um, it is considered a revolution for contraception, I guess it's the French Revolution. Uh, President uh, Emmanuel Macron announcing during a health debate uh, this week, uh, the government had already begun offering um, birth control at little or no cost to women under 25, and now they will offer free condoms. Just You have to just go into a pharmacy and ask for them. Well, that's so restrictive. I have to have to go to the pharmacy, got to go in, got to ask for them. Couldn't you just maybe have, like, you know, dispensers, or could you just mail some out to the house? So wrong. 
make you go to the pharmacy. Why is it only 18 to 25-year-olds? Is that ageism? Is that, is that it? After 25, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. What do you think about this idea? So they're, they're arguing that this will, um, whatever this costs, this is way better than unplanned pregnancies and so forth and so on. And uh, Macron, in fact, says that uh, he is following the advice of his health experts in uh, making condoms free. So free condoms in France if you're between 18 and 25. That seems like a very arbitrary age range. I mean, 18 to 25. Are those the peak years? Are those the... You don't have to... That's a, that's a rhetorical question you don't have to answer. I don't think I want you to tell me exactly that, but I would be curious to know what you think. I I, I don't... Um, I'm not coming at this as a prude or anything. But don't you think the use of a condom is basically uh how can i say it it's not it's not price driven it's not like oh just can't swing it just don't have the sorry just i'm tapped out it's a it's a choice right you either you're either ready or you're not you're either of this mindset or you're not they are not hard to get they used to be harder to get because, uh, and this is how old I am, when I first went to, my first job in high school was at a pharmacy. And this was 1981. Imagine, 1981. Horse-drawn carriages, spittoons in every corner. But anyway, there was, um, where I worked, it was a very, it was, it was a family pharmacy. It was kind of old school. But the condoms were out in the aisle as they are today. But behind the cash register was this set of enameled drawers. They were very small. They almost looked like like an old card catalog in a library, if you remember those. By now I've lost a lot of people. <laughs> dated reference, about dated reference. They were like little tiny drawers, a whole bank of them behind the cash register. And they were... Anyway, no one said anything about them when I learned the job, when they teach you how to do your your job. No one said anything about these little drawers. And one day I, I poked through a few of them and they were all empty. And so finally I asked the pharmacist or somebody, you know, what's, what's this for? What were these for? Oh, well that, those were for prophylactics, they called them. Because at one time to get a condom, you had to come up and ask the pharmacist. And if he deemed you worthy, then they opened one of these little drawers and took out whatever I guess I guess they probably had labels on the front of them. Now that would be kind of a threshold, right? Now, there's a lot of people that wouldn't be able to do that. But I mean, when you can just buy them like you buy anything else in aisle five, I just don't think making them available for free is the is the game changer that they're claiming it is. And when when you think back to um, our youth, is it possible? that rather than trying to find newfangled ways of preventing unwanted pregnancies, which, look, we're all, we're all in favor of that. We're all in favor of not having pregnancies that were not planned, for which 
one or both parties are not ready. We're all, we're all good with that. Is it possible? Is it possible that in our our rush to try all these new approaches, all these new gimmicks and tactics and free condoms and government condoms, is it just possible that one of the fences we tore down was actually a very helpful fence? And that was the fence of fear. Because I remember people used to talk about, do you remember the term shotgun marriage? You know what that is? You know what that is, right? So this was, there was this idea that a quote-unquote unwanted pregnancy, which we didn't even call it back then, you were, you were, you were obligated. Now you had, to, you had to follow all the way through. This is your life, Charlie Brown, you know? And uh, I, I realize you can't turn back the clock, but that probably that was probably one of the most effective methods of birth control there has ever been. Or how about fear of her father? Hmm. Imagine how many unwanted pregnancies that prevented. You, the numbers are staggering. Her father is a bad man. I mean, you know, that's the kind of repu- that that reputation gets around. That young lady is not going to be pregnant. Now, I don't know. Do you think the free condom thing is the way to go? Is it just, well, we, Jack, we just, we have to do it. I don't, I don't like it, but we just, we have to do it. 210-599-5555. Seems like everything that people ought to do, the way we signal to them that we, that you ought to do it is we make it free. You ought to do X, so we're just going to give X away for free. Uh, you, you kind of wonder, like, what, is there a limit to that? I mean, isn't there sort of a point of no return on that? And again, I when I hear people talk about, like, I, I don't know anything. When I hear women talk about the, the there, there's a whole th- debate about the cost of women's hygiene products and it, it, they shouldn't be taxed or they should be made more affordable or they should be deductible or whatever. I, I don't know, okay? I, I don't know anything about that. Women would know. You can tell me condoms are not that expensive, okay? So if you don't have one when you need one, I don't think price was the issue. Looks like we're going to have a very mild, almost summery weekend, but cloudy. But uh, we're going to continue to have this warm weather. So you maybe those things you were hoping you could put off, like that yard work and stuff, you were hoping you could put off till the spring. Damn it! Now you got to do. Now you got to do it now. You got no excuse. Anyway, all right. Just kidding. Uh, we're going to talk restaurants after six. If you're new to our show, this is something we do every Friday in the six o'clock hour. It's called the Dish. We'll be talking about your most recent restaurant experience. You can praise or zing any restaurant anywhere around San Antonio and South Texas. 
um, after six. Same phone number we're using now, 210-599-5555. There was a, there was a restaurant story in the news this week you may have heard about. This was an Olive Garden restaurant in Kansas, a suburb of, of, uh, I think it was a suburb of Kansas City, Kansas. Anyway, the, um, manager at this Olive Garden was, um, fired after pretty much, uh, having a meltdown over how much the staff and employees were calling in. And so um, he put out this message to the staff at Olive Garden that said, in part, from now on, if you call in, you might as well go out and look for a new job. If you're sick, you need to come prove it to us. Oh, oh Dr. Fauci is not going to like that. If you're sick, you need to come prove it to us. If your dog died, you need to bring him in and prove it to us. Okay. And then he wrote, this is the manager, okay, of this location of Olive Garden. Then he wrote about how he had never missed a day of work in all his years there. He wrote, I came in sick. I got in a wreck on my way to work one time. The airbags went off and my car was totaled. But you know what? I made it to work on time. All caps. There are no more excuses. We've had enough. If you don't want to work here, don't. So this hit the news, went viral. And then the company put out a statement. The the company that owns Olive Garden owns a bunch of other things. Big, big company called Darden. They confirmed it was a true message. And they had canned the manager. So he has now missed a day. Uh, their statement, <laughs> their statement read in part, we strive to provide a caring and respectful work environment. This message is not aligned with our values. You know, everybody dumped on this guy. He sounds like a maniac. You know, I guess, I guess I should say he sounds like Mussolini. But just to be a contrarian, may I just point out something? May I just point out something? From everything I hear, I don't run a restaurant, but from everything I hear, it is hard to get help. It is hard to get people to come to work. It is hard to get people to take the job and then to stay with you. And if some other place across town offers them a dollar more, a lot of people will just jump to it, and I'm not faulting that. But I'm going to acknowledge that even though this guy might be not wrapped too tight, he probably is having a hellacious time filling out his schedule because I know a lot of restaurants are there's a little place I go to near my house that in fact I was just there a couple of nights ago and for the first time in probably three years the service was prompt it's not a very big place but for the last couple of years you could you could watch a glacier move while you're waiting for the food and I go because it's right nearby and I like it and I'm at night I'm not in a particular hurry but um, it's everything I hear anecdotally from people in the restaurant businesses. It's very hard. So even though he didn't handle it right and he's kind of a jerk, it's probably hard to get people to, you know, it, it, there's probably also kind of a participation trophy thing. Oh, I had a fight with my girlfriend. I can't come today. I'm distraught about the election. I can't come in today. I'm not feeling safe today. I can't, you know, I mean, there's probably some of that too. 
I'm, I'm saying he, he didn't handle it right. You can't talk to people like this. Please don't bring your dog in, dead or alive. But, you know, it's not the, it's not the workplace or the work world you and I remember when we started out. And um, so I can kind of see where this might have might have spun up out of uh, out of some Gen Z out of some Gen Z angst. But yeah, he um, he he went too far. Obviously, if you're sick, you need to come in and prove it to us. Like to maybe maybe have them use the employee entrance for that. If your dog died, you need to bring him in and prove it to us. Yeah, could you maybe maybe have that meeting in the parking lot? You know what I'm saying? Just don't, yeah. And then he brags about how he came to work sick. You know, if you, I think if you're in the restaurant business, that's probably not something you want to say out loud, right? Like, I, d- dedication to the job is important and all that, but it's not, it's not a virtue to go into the restaurant sick. It's not, not good. The part about his airbags going off and he wasn't late, that's okay, but don't brag that you came to work sick. So he says, we've had enough. If you don't want to work here, don't. And apparently a lot of people didn't want to work there, so. Apparently, the um, breadsticks and the salad are not the only thing that are endless at that Olive Garden. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans, Beans not cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Well, we made it to Friday night, and that gives us the chance to talk about getting something to eat. And who doesn't like to talk about food, right? I mean, come on. Sooner or later, as the saying goes, you'll have to eat. And what this hour of the show is about, we call it The Dish. It's about your most recent restaurant experience. It's about where you last dined out. So maybe you had lunch somewhere today, or you're coming back from an early dinner, or you went out this week. Maybe you had a special occasion. You celebrated it at a restaurant, or maybe you went to a new place, and you're going to tell us, uh, give us the skinny on this new place. Maybe it's just new to you, or maybe you're singing the praises of an old favorite you've been going to for years. But make the call right now, 210-599-5555. You can talk about the food, the price, the service, the atmosphere, you can praise or zing. You're feeling strong, my friend. Call me Elf one more mm. time. He's an angry elf. Praise or zing. I like that. I like that. Seasonal zing. Praise or zing. Right now at 210 599 5555. You can also shoot me an email, jack at ktsa.com, and I will read it in the voice that I imagine you have. No, I won't. I'll read it in my voice. So we're talking restaurants on the dish. At the end of this hour, we'll also have the results on today's JR poll. The question is about Christmas trees. Do you have a real one or an artificial one? If if you have a tree. You don't have to vote if you don't have a tree. Um, so that's what we're doing this hour on KTSA 210-599-5555. I saw a... Um, I, I, I really hesitate to even bring this up because it's so nasty. And you may have heard it. It was in the news this week. There was a story about a guy somewhere in Florida, and um, he was doing all of this crazy stuff. When they when they picked him up, well, I'm just going to say it. If you have kids in the car, you may want to turn the radio off. When they picked him up, he was 
having carnal relations with the dog. And that's against the law. Not only the laws of nature, but that's against the law. But they all, all, the, all the news stories made a point of saying that he was doing it near a nativity scene. And it almost seemed as if the implication was that that made it worse. And I don't want to be sacrilegious, but I don't think it can be any worse. Like, I don't think that's even a fact. When you're doing that, where you're doing that is not even a factor. But it's always Florida. A friend of mine has a theory about this. We were talking about this one time, you know, the old joke, Florida man, Florida news, Florida story. And I mean, point of interest, this this guy's from Florida. And he doesn't like it that that's the joke, the running joke about Florida. And he said, well, you know what it is? It's that Florida has all these senior citizens. And I'm like, what? He go, I said, what? The, the people in these stories are not all senior citizens. He goes, no, 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 I know that. But he goes, Everywhere you go in Florida, there are senior citizens. I said, yeah, so? He goes, well, they don't miss a trick. They don't miss a thing. They're always watching. They're always looking. They're always reporting in. They call the police over everything. And he goes, that's that's why so many of these weird stories come from Florida, because there's always somebody to report that it happened or dime them out that it happened. That's his theory on Florida, man. I don't know if that's true or not. Must be other states, more people, not as many stories. So, anyway, that was that was a very bizarre. I I, I really didn't want to handle that on the show because it just it's there's too much wrong with it. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. As we talk restaurants on the dish, and you may be uh, tonight. You may be calling in about maybe where your company had their Christmas party, or uh, maybe it's a restaurant that. Uh, you normally maybe it's the kind of place you normally don't go to, but you you had a special occasion, you had out of town company, so you took them here, you took them there, you went down to the Riverwalk, you went downtown. Let's hear about it. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Any kind of restaurant, any kind of food, any price. Hear your praise or zing. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. In fact, I got an email from. Uh, from Norma, who says, praise for Mr. C's fried chicken and waffles, 9390 Hebner. Uh, different flavors of waffles. The chicken is juicy and delicious. Great prices for the amount. Mr. C's fried chicken and waffles, 9390 Hebner. Praise for that, Don. There you go. Don's a union guy. You gotta, you know, you gotta give him the exact. But uh, we, and you know, I am still getting, I don't know if that's why she mentioned it, but when we talked about chicken and waffles, how many weeks ago was that? I'm still getting every, like a, a, a steady stream of these chicken and waffle places. There's tons of them. It's a big, big trend. All right, 210-599-5555. Hilda's on KTSA. Hi, Hilda. Hi, Jack. Um, I want to mention one that my hairdresser had uh let me know about, and I kind of frequent the place almost like three times. It's called Carrabas, Italian. I don't know the exact name, but it's an Italian place. Mm-hmm. And it's off of 10, north mm-hmm. of Hebner. Mm-hmm. And uh, this last time I went during my uh, luncheon special for lunch, 
And I had, and there again, I, I just uh, don't know exactly, but it was like stuffed, stuffed um, mushrooms. And it came with a side salad along with the, um, what was the other one? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Um, it was one more thing, plus your, it included your tea. And then, of course, it comes with your your um, your loaf of bread that's slide, um, that's sliced, and that mm-hmm. is so good. But I really enjoyed my meal uh, for the luncheon special, and I also enjoyed the atmosphere. It's um, it's kind of the lights are dim, somewhat dim, but it's it's very tranquil. And so I like both mm-hmm. the food and the uh, the atmosphere mm. for an Italian place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've already uh, gone like three times. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you like yeah, it. Carabas yeah. Italian Grill is the name of it. Yeah, it's it's uh, twelve five zero seven IH ten West. It's uh, it's just like you said. It's between Hebner and De Zavala. Carabas Italian Grill. Praise from Hilda on the dish. Hilda, have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you for the call. 210-599-5555. As we take your calls to praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience, wherever and whatever that was, and Mike is on the radio. Happy Friday, Mike. Happy Friday, Jack. Uh, just want to give a praise. This is kind of a, a double deal. I love I love torchies here in Holotus or close to Holotus. Uh, but recently found a restaurant called Fuego, and it's on uh, UTSA Boulevard, just inside of I-10, kind of kind of 1604 I-10-ish area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very similar to Torchy's, but I feel like they have different taco options. Their tacos are bigger. Um, just a, just a good place to eat. I haven't had anything bad yet there. The only only parcel thing I could give it is a. Uh, their breakfast tacos are a little light on the meat. It's pretty. <laughs> they mm-hmm. could add more more bacon yeah. uh, to the egg and cheese, but other than that, really good, man. I I I've really enjoyed going there, and I like both places a lot. So I figured I'd kind of double double praise them. Do you have a favorite? Because uh, we we've had some calls on it, and people really seem to single out certain tacos they have. Do you have like a favorite one that you like to get, or the one people should try the first um, time they go? I don't. I've only been there probably four or five times, but uh, they do like a, a, I forget the name of it right now, but a brisket and, I'm sorry, pulled pork with mac and cheese and grilled onions and queso on it. It's really good. Uh, I had one called the South Padre today, which is fried shrimp. Um, and uh, I forget what else they put on it, but it's got like a, like a uh, sriracha tartar sauce on it. It's really good, really good. And they're 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 bigger than torchies are, and and I don't know. I wouldn't say they're better. I'd just say it's kind of kind of different. They're both good to me. Well, that's the thing about torchies. I'm sorry, those are tiny. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when I get those, I, it's like it's like having a. It, it, you might as well just put it on a cracker. I mean, it's really right. small. Right. I feel like a giant. Right. You know, you feel like you got to order two just to just to have any kind of a fighting chance. So I'm glad they're bigger. That's good to know. But yeah, Fuego yeah, Tortilla bigger. Grill 568 more too. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh well, Mike, I appreciate it. Good call and praise for Fuego Tortilla Grill, which is 5618 UTSA Boulevard. Um 
5618 UTSA Boulevard. By the way, um, our caller last October said that they're open 24 hours, but not on Mondays. Now, that was then. I don't know if that's still true. Might want to check first. Uh, and he was the one that also said the tacos are really big. Uh, he said he liked the El Presidente, which was a taco with chicken and fried avocado, and the Dr. Pepper Cowboy. I wrote this down at the time. This was in October. The Dr. Pepper Cowboy, smoked brisket, onions, chipotle, cream corn, and Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce. Whoa. have the right kind of shower. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. Later in this hour, we'll have the results on our holiday-themed poll question. But right now, right now, we're talking restaurants on the dish. It can be any kind of restaurant, anywhere in and around San Antonio. Uh, praise or zing the food, the price, the service. 210-599-5555 on KTSA. And JC is on the radio. JC, happy uh, Friday night. Happy Friday, Jack. Thanks for taking my call. Second time caller. First time of last week. Talking about movies that couldn't be made. Today. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was the guy that talked about Rocky Four. Yes, I remember that. Yes, no, but I want to give praise to a restaurant. It's funny, because just the other day I was thinking about this restaurant, and then yesterday, of course, I hear their ad on KTSA, and that's Julian's Pizzeria. And hmm. I, my family and I go to the one off of West Avenue. Mm-hmm. And uh, Julian and his family, they're always awesome. And the staff there is always so great. Of course, the pizza's good. And sometimes if I'm feeling a little healthy, I'll get their salad. Uh, their Greek salad's awesome. Their house salad and dressing, I'll add a little chicken to it. But one of my favorites, and it's one of the best I've ever had, their stromboli. Outstanding. Very nice. Have you ever uh, have you ever tried the eggplant parmesan? I haven't, but I've heard good things. I hear a lot of yeah. people love it. So, if yeah, you can, if you can, it. if you can find your way over there for the eggplant parmesan sometime, that might make it onto your hit list because it is really, really special there. It's really good. Okay, but everything well, you mentioned is time, good. Oh yeah! Next time I see Julian there, and I said, "Hey, Jack told me to finally get the eggplant parmesan. I'll do it." And there you go. Next time. I'll- I'll do a follow-up report with you on that. All right. I like that. I like that. I like like a sequ- I, I, Your I'm call gonna... has like a sequel. I like that. Like you called about a sequel <laughs> movie. You're going to do a sequel to your call. I like that. JC, have a great weekend. Thank you for calling the dish. Praise for Julian's Italian Pizzeria and Kitchen, the Bitters and West Avenue location in Embassy Oaks. Uh, 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish and... Anna is next on KTSA. Happy weekend. Happy Friday. Mm-hmm. Hi. Are you there, Anna? I'm here. Thank you for oh, having okay. me on your show. Uh, really, this is a zing. On Las Palapas, uh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, not Las Palapas, at the Nietzsche's. 
on 410 and Summit Parkway. We go there after church or special family gatherings in the morning. They have a good buffet. Well, I don't eat a lot. I can't eat a lot. I eat less than a child sometimes. So one manager told me I could have the child's price. We've been going mm-hmm. there, like I said, for about a year or more. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> on Sunday morning. Well, this new manager comes on, and she's very rude. She's the lady manager there, and she's the only lady manager there, and she's horrid. She says, um, <clears throat> no, you're no longer able to get the, the child's plate price for the buffet, and I only get half a spoonful of two items and then some fruit, okay? Mm-hmm. So anyway, then she says, she tells me, she says, but rude, she's almost yelling at me. Okay, mm. and the waitress comes, and she's, they all know me already, my family and us, and she says she doesn't eat anything, you know, and she says, I don't care. She says she can't have the child's plate price mm. anymore on the buffet, mm. which is fine. I don't care. I can get a taco. You know what I'm saying? That's not the mm. problem, and that's not the issue. It's the way she handles right. it. Right, right. You know, well, and, that seems very know, reasonable like I, on your part. I mean, you're being very reasonable. I mean, you're you're saying I don't mind if you change the rule. Just be just be nice to me about it, right? Exactly, and professional. Your yeah. title is manager, and you yeah. should be a little bit more professional in regards to your patrons that come yeah, and are often here. You know, so I just wanted to throw a shout out out there about them. But the wait staff is wonderful, wonderful, and the food is good. Have no problem there. Yeah. But yeah. it was just the way she handled the situation for me. I like that, Nietzsche's. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but uh, they are there otherwise. They are a good place. 5059 Northwest Loop 410, Summit Parkway exit off 410. Nietzsche's a zing uh, tonight from Anna. Thank you for the call, Anna. You have a good weekend. Thank you for being on the dish. 210-599-5555 as we take your calls. Praise or zing any restaurant in and around San Antonio. We've had a lot of uh, calls over Nietzsche's, uh, for Nietzsche's over the years, I should say, and their different, um, their different locations. Most of the calls are about that location, and most of them have been praise. As I look back here, going back to 2013. 210-599-5555. Janice is on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Janice. The same to you, Jack. I've called about Europa before, probably about a year or so ago. And I recently uh, took a friend over there for lunch, and she got the chicken breast with like a gorgonzola blue cheese sauce. And instead of having the vegetables, which is normally what it comes with on the menu, mm-hmm. uh, she asked, could she have it with the fettuccine noodles instead? Mm-hmm. And they most graciously uh, substituted that. I had a schnitzel that, you know, is the pork kind of the pork steak pounded out with mushroom sauce, and it was superb. Both both meals were excellent. Mm. And uh, I wish more people ate meals over there. It's a very popular place on the weekends, and they do a lot of uh, soccer game and beer drinking on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, I think. And that's that's not my crowd. My crowd is the slow lunch crowd. Uh, you know, I've been meaning, I, I remember when you called about it, and we've had a few other calls about it, uh, too. It's Europa uh, Restaurant and Bar. It's at 8811 uh, Fredericksburg Road. Do you do you happen to know, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, do you happen to know what time they close at night? 
No, I would say I'll on weeknights, not that not that late, but I think yeah. that evidently they have a pretty active scene on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. Um, that's my issue somebody, is it's it's very hard for me to go anywhere that doesn't stay open past, you know, 8, 830. I can't, I just can't make it, you know. Um, right. I have this other thing I do, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, you, you, and you, and you kind of got me interested in it the first time that you called about it. I'm looking at my notes here and, and yeah, we've had a couple of, everybody loves it. And apparently it's a lot of different, it's kind of unusual. Most places are just Italian or just Greek or what right. this is sort of pan-European, right? Well, it is the, uh, one of the owners, a gentleman named Milan. I, I can't tell you how to spell his name. That's just what I call him. And I want to say that he is Bulgarian. And several of the people who work there are also uh, European or perhaps Eastern European. Mm-hmm. And that is the whole focus of their menu, that they do German, hmm. Austrian, Bulgarian, Italian food. And I have never had anything there that wasn't excellent. And, I mean, they do uh, Italian calamari superbly. Hmm. I'm looking here. It actually says that they stay open if they're if they've kept their website current. It says that they're open till two a.m. on Friday and Saturday, and then it's like nine or ten the rest of the yeah. So that that's that's interesting. That's very for San Antonio. That's very late. Um, That's like New York City late. Yeah, I think they get uh, some of the medical center crowd, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I know that they get um, a fair amount of Eastern European. Uh, people in, you know, like who who live here in San Antonio, mm-hmm. they're Texans, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. if they want to get a good good schnitzel or a good calamari, that might be where they go. All right, well, you, you've sold me, Janice. I'm definitely going to try it, and it's always good to hear from well, you, and well, hope Jack, you're doing well. Well, Jack, if you well. want to go, I'll buy your lunch sometime. Oh, <laughs> see, but that's the thing. I, I'm more of like a dinner, dinner guy. I almost never go out to lunch because I'm in the middle of, uh, you know, stirring upright wing hatred you know in the in the middle of the day so i don't have time for lunch but uh yeah i'm gonna get over there though and, and i'm gonna and i'm gonna report back i'll let you know all right is that a deal okay please do thanks all right Jack. take care janice thank you, you praise for europa restaurant and bar 8811 fredericksburg road across from the usaa uh headquarters and a lot of calls going back to 2020 on this place and uh I'm I'm intrigued, I must say. I can't make any excuses if they're open until 2 a.m. on Friday and Saturday nights. KTSA, Jack here on a uh, Friday night. We have kind of a thing we do on this show on Friday nights, you know, end of the week. It it actually wasn't always Friday nights. For a while it was Thursday nights because we we had this other thing we used to do on Friday nights called Final Vinyl. Some of you may remember that. God bless you for remembering that. But anyhow, um... But for a very, very long time, either on Thursday or Friday, uh, we talk about restaurants. And you call in and you praise or zing uh, your most recent restaurant experience. Um, we call it the dish. 
And uh, it can be about a restaurant in San Antonio, outskirts of San Antonio, Hill Country, the Valley, the Coast. You know, a card, a, a, a reasonable driving distance away, we like to say. Um, you can praise or zing the food or the price or the service, 210-599-5555. It's interesting, tonight all of the calls have been about places that we have had calls about before, which is fine. Some weeks will go and it will be all places that have never been called in before, so that's either one is fine. Don't hesitate to call, even if somebody else has already called about your place. I want to hear what you thought when you went, what your experience was, or what you recommend. 210 599 Fifty-five, fifty-five. Yeah, when I was saying about Europa and about places staying open late, this is a this is this is my struggle. Uh, when on, on those occasions that I do go out to dinner, which is not very often, um, by the time I'm done with this hate fest that I host, and and then you know you you kind of have to put put your toys away and get yourself cleaned up and ready to go, and and then and then get to the place. Um, I'm not getting to a restaurant much before seven thirty quarter of eight, eight o'clock, so it's got to be open. And a lot of places that used to be open till 10, now it's 9. A lot of places are open till 9, 9.30, now it's 8. And I get it, it's the help, you know, it's the lack of of being able to staff it and stuff like that, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I know this is not most people's challenge, most people have dinner way before that, but uh, that's that's kind of been limiting for me, and so I tend not to go unless it's the weekend. 210-599-5555, so I get kind of excited when a place is open late. It's not that I'm up to no good. It's just that kind of works for me. Um, along the way, we're also getting your last-minute votes in on the uh, JR poll. We're going to see how you voted on the uh, Christmas tree question uh, coming up right at the end of the hour. It was a really great story. I don't know if you heard this or not. It's been on a lot of different places uh, this week. Um, this almost sounds like a movie. So it was last weekend, and people were on a, a Frontier Airlines flight uh, going from Orlando to, I think, either Knoxville or Nashville. I forget which. But they, they kept getting, the flight kept getting delayed, and then it got canceled. You know, kind of like planes, trains, and automobiles, right? So there are people in the gate area of of this Frontier flight, and they're commiserating about how the flight's been canceled and what are we going to do now. And, you know, they were the airline was telling people that they could be rebooked for the next, um, not for the next day. They were telling them that they would have to wait two days. And that really wasn't working for people, 48-hour delay. So while they were um, kind of commiserating, one woman named Amy decided to rent a car. And she said, hey, if anyone else wants to join me, I'll rent a van. And one by one, or maybe two by two, People started joining up this group. Eventually, 13 people in a rented van. So Amy went from just wanting to rent like a economy car to renting a, a big passenger van. Um, she got all these people that wanted to do it and said they would do it. And uh, they got 
together. They, they did not know each other. They were not traveling together. The only thing they had in common was they got bumped off this frontier flight or they got, they got canceled, not bumped. And it was all different kinds of people, um, all different ages. One of them was a, a, a woman that works in media and, and uh, does Internet influencing. Her name's Alana Miller, and she's from Knoxville. So she began doing, like, TikToks and social media posts. And they began, um, as they were driving, it became like an, a, a, a live event. And then the story went viral because it was such a good news story that people came together, they shared the cost of the van, they wound up, one woman said, this wound up being much more fun than if we had been on the plane. I wonder how many trips would be better if our first thought wasn't, well, I gotta get, I gotta fly there. I gotta get a plane ticket. I gotta book a flight. And I'm not saying stop flying. I'm not arguing against using the airlines, but it's gotten to the point, has it not, where just about any mode of travel is probably more enjoyable than that. And again, I'm not saying you could do this every time you went somewhere, but. Um, and this does remind me, uh, not so much of planes, trains, and automobiles, but remember how in Home Alone, the first Home Alone, the mom, the way she gets back to Kevin is she rides with the, the what were they done, like a polka band, I think? Weren't they a polka band, John Candy? And they had a polka van, and they were bumped off their flight, so they rented a like a, a box truck, and uh, Catherine O'Hara rides in the back with John Candy and the polka guys. I think they were polka a polka yeah, band, I if I remember correctly. Right Is that right? Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Life imitating art. I don't know how they got the idea, or maybe that's how they got the idea, but they got to uh they got to Knoxville and um to a person they said they enjoyed it. They liked getting to know each other. Um it felt more like a an adventure. And Alana, uh, story, the influencer said, for me, it was kind of restorative. I found hope and humanity. So very cool story. I need, I need more, I need more news like that in my, in my show. Um, 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish and we close in on the poll results. And Paul is next on the radio on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Paul. Hey, Jack. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I got a recommendation. Is Florio's Pizza off of Broadway? I think it's seventy-seven hundred one Broadway. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a, just a it's just a pizza place, and I'm from New York, and it's hard to find a really good pizza in in San Antonio. And I, mm-hmm. I personally rate rate Florio's as number one. When you mm-hmm. fold a pizza in half and and it drips out the bottom, that's when you know it's a good pizza. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. That's how. That's my litmus test. That's a great uh, and Julian's and and Julian's is right up there with it. And I, I heard your your other caller call in, and Julian's is right there. But I just wanted to tell you a roundabout story. I went to Chicago um, during the Thanksgiving break, and I said, you know, I gotta say I had a Chicago pizza in Chicago, and there are a plethora of pizza places in Chicago. It's unbelievable. And so we're walking, and I just, uh, let me try this place. And I just walk in, and I try this place. It's kind of like a bar. And I order one slice and a, and a Coke to go. 
And it really reminded me of Julian's pizza because Julian really puts out a thick um, uh, cheese on the top. So, and it really reminded me of that. And so after I was done, everybody I was with said, so how did you like the pizza? You know, how did you rate it? I said, well, it's probably in the top three pizzas in, in San Antonio. And they were going, wow. So it really, Julian's and, and Florio's really rates hmm. with those in New York and Chicago. Wow. That is and quite high praise. Do you remember the name I, of the place in Chicago that you went to? Oh, my God. I saved the receipt, but I don't remember it. Yeah. I did say the receipt in, in order to do that. And was it a... But it was good. Because I know they usually say, isn't Chicago sort of associated with deep dish pizza? Yes, and so is so is New York. New York has deep dish, and it's different than Chicago deep dish. Um, and I didn't have the Chicago deep dish, but okay. I'm going to say this one was a little thicker um, yeah. in in the American slice, a little bit thicker than normal. So in San Antonio, it would be considered a deep dish, but gotcha. not really. Gotcha. Not the Pretty true good. deep dish. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Well, we'll take the praise for Florio's, uh, which is a yeah, legendary Julian. place, 7701 Broadway. We'll take the praise for Julian's and the place to be named later in Chicago. Paul, good to hear from you, sir. Have a good weekend, and thank you for being on the dish. So there you go, a couple of them. Yeah, those are both places that I would, um, I whenever I'm asked about pizza, which I am because of my name, and that is ethnic profiling, but I will take it. Um, whenever I'm asked about pizza, both of those are names I will drop. Florio's and Julian's, yep. Thank God it's... Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that <laughs> is keeping me up at night. These, these woke, high IQ stupid people, they walk around, they walk around with Ziploc bags of kale that they can eat to give them energy. Now, if you want to eat kale, that's up to you. I don't eat kale. You know why? Kale tastes to me like I'd rather be fat. Yes. Mm. There's your ticket for 2024. Hillary Clinton and John Kennedy. All right. Um, be like electing Ralph and Alice Cramden. Did anyone get that done? No one, no one got that. All right. Um, we were talking about, uh, oddly enough, we were talking about that story, an actual story for this week where people that were uh, stranded in Florida when Frontier canceled their flight, they strangers got together, pulled their money and rented a van and drove to Knoxville, Tennessee uh, together in the process, making new friends and having a better time than they probably would have had on the flight, which reminded me of the scene in Home Alone when the mom of Macaulay Culkin is so desperate to get home that she accepts a ride from a bunch of guys in a van. Here is that scene. No, 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 no way. This is Christmas, the season of perpetual hope. Mammoth. And I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. If it costs me everything I own, if I have to sell my soul to the devil himself, I am going to get home to my son. Uh, Ma'am, if there was anything at all I could do for do you it. today... Do anything. I, I can get you a hotel room. You what? Can, excuse me. Can you excuse us for a second? Can I see you for a second, please? Excuse us. Oh, no, but here in your, you got a little bit of a dilemma there. We got a crisis ourselves. 
Allow me to introduce myself. Gus Polinski. How are you? Polka King of the Midwest. The, the Kenosha Kickers. Hi there. Hi. No? That's okay. I thought you might have recognized. Anyways, um, I had a few hits a few years ago. Uh, that's why, I, you know, just polka, polka, polka. Polka, polka, polka. No? Twin Lakes Polka, Damavuji Polka, a.k.a. Kiss Me Polka, Polka Twist. Well, these are songs. Yeah. Yeah, we, some fairly big hits for us, you know, in the early 70s, you know. <laughs> yeah, we sold about 623 copies of that. In Chicago? No, Sheboygan. Very big in Sheboygan. They loved it, you know. I'm sorry, did you say you could help me? A anyway, I'm, I'm rambling on here. Our flight was canceled, so we got to drive. So, uh, see the guy in the yellow jacket over there? By the budget time, he's going to rent us a nice big uh, van, and we're going to drive to Milwaukee. Now, I heard you had some problems. You're uh, getting to Chicago to see your kid or something? Uh, my son, he... we left, and he... he's there. Oh, jeez. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll, we'll gladly drive you. It's on the way to Milwaukee. You'd give me a ride? Sure we will. Why not? You know, you got to get home and see your kid. A ride to Chicago? Sure, you yeah, know, it's Christmas time. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, thank you. You, you. you don't mind going with some polka bums. Mm -hmm. And there it is. Catherine O'Hara gets the ride with the with the polka band. Um, just life imitating art, as it were. That's a great scene. great movie. I see where there's an ad now. Have you seen it, Don? Catherine O'Hara is in an ad with Kevin Hart playing on the name Kevin. And she still is a beautiful, beautiful woman. That movie is yes, over 30 is. years ago. She's stunning. Anyway, real quick on the JR poll, Christmas tree, real or not? 73% said not, 27% said real. But if you've got the right spirit, remember they're all real. It's real if you believe. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for being part of this show. And come back, join us live at 4 on Monday or anytime on demand at KTSA.com.